the Career Medicine Podcast. I am your host Nisar Ahmed. I am the founder and editor of the blog CareerMedicine.com, and this is episode 30 of the Career Medicine Podcast. And this episode is part of the Expert series, where I interview career experts, career professionals, to share their wisdom to help today's job seekers to nag- navigate the the world of job search to land their dream job. And for today's Career Expert series episode, I'm interviewing. career coach and published author Brian Howard from the motivatedjobsearch.com Brian welcome to the podcast ah pleasure to be here so Brian what I would like to start off uh, I uh, I think I would not do justice if I do your introduction uh, I mean you have a wonderful blog you have a few books What I would like to do uh, for the benefit of the audience is you know if you can quickly give a high, give a high level introduction about yourself who you are and also um, your journey uh, in the world of uh, a career coach or career professional Yeah um the name is Brian Howard and uh, for the last 24 years uh I I've been an executive recruiter um and along with that comes um getting into the career coaching and the and the career transition coaching. Uh I am a certified career management coach, certified job search specialist, certified professional resume writer, and like you said, I am the author um of the motivated job search books. Um now these books it's a series it's a series of six. Uh they are going to be released incrementally in six month increments. Now, two of them have already been released. One of them is The Motivated Job Search. Um that is a book that was released uh, in the spring. Uh it's it's designed for career-minded professionals who want simple and direct answers on how to conduct a job search. The second book, which has also been released, is The Motivated Networker. Uh it takes a deep dive into the topic of uh networking to find a job. Now, the other books have not been released yet, but they include Over 50 and Motivated. Now, that's a job search book for job seekers over 50 because the dynamics of a job search uh change. That'll be released in the spring uh of 2017. Simultaneously, there is the Motivated Job Search Workbook. Uh the workbook has thought-provoking questions, writing space, and it runs and in and correlates directly with the motivated job search book and over 50. So that workbook can work with both of the job search books. Then in the fall of 2017 comes motivated resumes. That is a resume book. It is a how-to. Uh the cool part about the book uh is that I collaborated with I think there were 14 uh experienced, credentialed and award-winning uh resume writers who shared their insight and experience their line of thinking uh on how they build resumes and along with that comes like 80 or 85 you know sample resumes traditional formats of all kinds and even infographics and then finally and this will be in the spring of 2018 uh the final book uh which actually I'm writing right now uh is the motivated job interview and that takes a deep dive uh into the actual interview setting and all of the things that go along with that because that's where the that's really where the the, the rubber you know meets the road 
uh, you get all the way there. Now you got an mm-hmm. interview. You got to talk to somebody. How can you persuade them? Yeah. Now the the journey to all of this. I mean, how did I get there? Is uh, you know when you're a, a recruiter, and and if you're a good one, you learn or intuitively uh, become or you read up on how to coach and help your candidates do well. And um, I have done that for many, many years, uh, all part and parcel with, you know, my recruiting activities, okay? And over the course of time, uh, as I would talk to people, um, I would get into those things that, you know, what are you doing uh, on your own if they were unemployed or actively looking? And as I, as I would start to pull back the layers of the onion, I would uh, I, I didn't shake my head and, you know, wonder, you know, you, you, you're just not being effective. And that was one of the motivations um, to writing the books because I quickly dis- discovered that in, in, in many cases, you know, it would take me almost a two-day seminar to unravel what they were doing and the missed opportunities and not understanding how to effectively conduct a job search efficiently. And that's when I, when I decided that, you know, I, I'd go ahead and get uh, some of the certifications that were really built for credibility uh, beyond all the things that I had learned and read and, and studied, you know, as a recruiter. And uh, it's been a very, I mean, the recruiting part for me is a very fulfilling, professionally and, you know, personally fulfilling career. And now being able to do the coaching in a different style, um, along with the books and the things like that, has just been a, it's been a blast. It really has. It's really been a blast. You know, one of the, I'm just listening to your introduction. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think what you've done with your books, uh, what you're planning to do, what I'm, what you're doing is you're covering all aspects of the job search, right? Job search, networking, resume. So, I mean, it, it's exciting to see a, a series of books that'll be really useful. And going back to your career as a recruiter, I think being a recruiter, uh, one of the advantages you might have, Brian, is you see candidates, you see some of the areas that they're doing very well, and especially the areas that many of them are not doing well. Right. And that's I think that's an advantage that gives you sort of like an inside scoop, like an insider knowledge, uh, because a lot of the times job seekers do not know this. Oh, you're, you're right. And, it, and it's perfectly and completely understandable. I mean, and I tell them, I said, you know, my, many people come to me, many people come to me and, and it's in one of two situations. And there are others, but, you know, I want to know how to do this right the first time. That that's kind of where they're at. They're kind of at the beginning, and they're smart enough to know that you know uh, this is something different. And and then you have those that you know have started it and are stumbling, and they're and they need to restart, and they're they're frustrated and everything. But but the point is this: this is something different that they don't do. They've been doing their real job. Now all of a sudden they find themselves in a situation where they almost have to learn a new job so they can get a job. And that's completely normal, completely understandable, because they've been out doing that which they've been trained for, that which I love, I hope, and, and doing those things. Then all of a sudden they find themselves in this situation where they have to 
sometimes either refresh themselves or learn a new skill to get them back employed. So to your point, yeah, I do see it from many different angles um, because I interact with people all the time, and, and, and it's all about job search. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, I mean, you have a lot of knowledge and experience, so we'll definitely get into that. I think we can get, for the next 20 to 30 minutes, we can gain a lot of insights. Uh, before we begin, uh, one question I wanted to ask is, uh, where are you calling from? Which city are you calling from, Brian? Oh, I'm in the Kansas City, uh, Missouri area. There's a suburb of Overland Park, which is in the southwest quadrant of the metro mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, for those of us who have not heard about Kansas, I think almost everyone knows a little bit about Kansas. I'm in Toronto, so the way I know about Kansas is last year for the MLB playoffs, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays lost to Kansas Royals. So, <laughs> so anybody in Toronto, anybody in Toronto knows. But uh, for those people uh, listening to this who do not know about Kansas, would you mind sharing something, some interesting fact, or something that most people do not know about Kansas? Well, we're a flyover state. Okay, that means we're not on either coast. We're about dead middle of the United States as you can get, okay? Uh, and, you know, the most recent claim to fame is the Kansas City Royals baseball team won the World Series in 2015 and have successfully gotten eliminated from the playoffs in 2016. So we will not be seeing baseball in October. All right, so let's get into the question. So for, in your introduction, you talked about some of the challenges job seekers have. So I wanted to ask you, in your experience, um, what are some of the biggest challenges, other than the fact that it is new to them, what are some of the challenges that job seekers come to you for? Well, most of it is to, to start off right and to uh, resurrect a stale um, job search. I mean, the biggest challenges, the biggest mistake, and this really flows into to challenges, but also mistakes uh, that, that people make when they get into a job search. And, and honestly, the first one that, that I seem to encounter with a fair amount of uh, regularity is that people tend to underestimate um, the amount of time and the, and the level of effort that it takes to conduct a job search. Uh, too many of them believe that, you know, a quick put-together resume, maybe a LinkedIn profile, get out there, talk to some folks, and everything like that, boom, you know, a job's going to be there. It, that often isn't the case. And, and then when you have economic environment, you know, circumstances and that dynamic in play, it can really uh, throw you off. So, you know, the biggest, or one of the biggest, I should say, is that there's a lack of appreciation of the amount of physical effort, mental effort, that it takes to do this well. And they also get into, um, you know, a little bit too much of a shotgun. Um, They don't have a reasonably tight focus uh, on the kinds of companies and the kinds of positions that they would be interested in. Now, you've got to be careful there because you've got to be able to flex a little bit. Sometimes you may not have thought of something and it comes your way, but then again, there are times when you, you run across something that sounds interesting, but is it really something that you're qualified? Is it really something that you're interested 
you know, and that's when you kind of get into the, the concept of are you chasing a job or pursuing a career, your career position? Mm. And, and, you know, that can be tough, okay? Because you know, let's say you're unemployed, okay? Yeah, there's a job. I, I might get it. But I always caution uh, the candidates I work with about that because, you know, yeah, it could be a short-term gig. It may be what you need for the short-term. You know, money and the need for money trumps all. If you have to have a job to make the mortgage and whatever, you know, you have to take that into consideration. But oftentimes, that's going to be – that could be a short-term gig. You could be miserable, and then you're back at it again. But then again, you might have a paycheck. I mean, it, it gets really – it can get really dicey. Uh, get mm-hmm. into that, you know what I'm saying? And then there's, you know, then you get into to the candidates that uh, mostly out of frustration, their their job search um, just kind of degrades and just kind of falls apart, and all of they're doing is waking up every morning or every other morning and and looking at job boards and and things of that nature. Now I'm not saying that those activities are not or that activity is not important. It can't be, okay? But you can't rely on it. And once you're reliant upon that, you're probably in deep trouble. I read not long ago, and, and it, boy, it just makes complete sense in light of the experiences I've had with people, that the probability that you land a job based on an advertisement or a posting is about 1 in 118. That ain't too good, Okay. Now, can so Brian, can you yes. clarify that when you say one out of 118, what do you mean? Like you mean applying for 118 jobs and you get one job? One job yeah. is that? Is that? Oh, okay. Yeah, you could look at it that way. Your chances are less than one percent. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, now, are there exceptions? Sure, there's an exception to everything. You may be highly qualified in the technical world and have a special knowledge of a certain software that's in high demand, and all you have to do is do some point and click, and recruiters are calling you. All right, great. You're sitting in the catbird seat, okay? But when you when you take it out over the entire industry, all industries and everything, it's about what you come up with, and that's 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 tough odds. Now, like I say, now should you abandon that? No, you don't. Okay, but what you have to do is you have to be strategic about it okay you, you set up job alerts okay and you can do that you know LinkedIn has them and others do okay and you're finite indeed.com is perfect and you and you and you set up you know five or six of them and they are specific to what you're looking for and then when they do pop up you can examine them and then as a matter of strategy what I tell people I say okay look if you get one and it looks good you fit okay Try contact, finding out and contacting the person that would likely be the executive that would hire you. Make that direct contact first. See if you can work it that way. Yeah, you'll probably get kicked HR fine. That's okay. But if you can say, I, I spoke to you know, um, Susan, uh, the director of client management, and she suggested I talk to you or reply to you through this, there's just something added to that concept rather than always going through HR. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a strategy thing. That's a strategy play. Uh, Obviously um, we get into um, not 
being fully aware of how to differentiate yourself. I, uh, I mean, you got to stand out, and and that gets into you know how do you do that? How do you stand out? How can you make yourself different um, compared to others? And and because the, the market can be you know kind of rough out there. And so talk- Brian. Yes, Sorry to interject. Actually, that is a great segue aware of how to, di- I mean, how to differentiate yourself. I think now we talked about the challenges. So I want to get into the, uh, a deeper discussion of how to differentiate yourself. But before that, I wanted to ask you, I think this might be a good, uh, good, uh, good question to talk about. You mentioned the word frustration a couple of times when you were talking about challenges. And I think it's, it's common. I've been there. Everybody listening to me, this has been there. So before you start any strategy, uh, are there some things you would suggest in terms of mindset uh, or, you know, how to ma- uh, manage your emotions? Um, is that part of a strategy you recommend as well? Oh, yeah, you have to. You got to go in. I mean, first of all, understand it's going to take longer. Okay. Set your expectation there. Okay. And it becomes very easy for someone to, to get uh, frustrated, to get down. Um, and emotionally, and, and, and there are some things, there's one thing that I, that I like to tell people who are really, you know, they're struggling, okay, and, and that's the concept of a gratitude list, okay, and, and, and you, you just go to a quiet place, and you get out a piece of paper, and you start writing down all of the things in life, big and small, that you are thankful for, that you are blessed to have. I have a great mom who loves me, even if you're 45 years old. My son um, is a good baseball player. Okay, Start listening. Nothing's too small. Generally, what I hear when people uh, do that is it lists their spirits. It's you have good things. You have a, a challenge and a struggle right now. Okay, we know that. But there are a lot of things in your life that you can be happy about, blessed about, feel good about, and you can't forget those things. People tell me that after they've done this exercise, um, they feel better about themselves. They get energized about themselves. I also recommend on the emotional thing that – they, since they have time, if they're unemployed and they have some time, okay, that they they pursue a substantive professional designation, okay, and it has to have a little. It's got to have some have some material to it. It's just not a you know a two day seminar where you get a certificate of achievement. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that thing that takes you know three weeks or three months or six months. Start. And make it in the area that you want to be. Okay, here's why this works. Two things. One is that people tell me that it fires their brain up. It gets that gray matter going. It gets you moving more forward. It gets your thoughts on your designation, on the things that are in this industry of yours. And it brings you up to speed. And it gets you off of just job search, but also into that. 
And it's also a differentiator. When you get into conversations with people, you can tell them, I'm currently pursuing my uh, GBA designation. You can say that in interviews. Now you have something that you can mention that you're not just being a bump on the log while you're unemployed. And it makes your attitude better that you're working towards something along with your job search. Those two things tend to, to move somebody emotionally forward and that they're not stuck because that's where they're at. All they want to think about is the fact, I don't have a job. I am worried. You know, my spouse might be starting to be worried and all of those things. No. If you can start to move yourself forward emotionally and doing an activity that, that can help differentiate you as well as keep you in the game intellectually with your career, you're doing the right things. Brian, I, I really like that suggestion because uh, as you were talking about the professional designation, I was thinking about, uh, I was reading somewhere that we humans are usually motivated by trying a new challenging goal. Uh, of course, when you're trying to get, let's say, let's say, a designation, you're trying to build, rebuild yourself. It automatically impro uh, improves your motivation, right? I and this, agree. At the, yeah. And at the same time, when you're speaking to someone, let's say your potential uh, hiring manager, uh, I, I would say they'll be more than impressed that this candidate, in spite of the challenge or setback, uh, he or she is trying to improve. So that's something every ensures initiative. So that's a that's a very good point. That's very uh, very new. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Now now we talked about the mindset and you know how you can fix that. Uh, so let's get into strategies. Or you you were talking about how to differentiate yourself. Yeah. So um, so I, I mean instead of me asking you, I think I'm getting a lot of great insights here. So let I'll just keep it open ended and ask you. Uh, what, what, how would, if I was a candidate who just got laid off and I'm looking for a job and how do I make myself stand out compared to everyone else like me? Okay. Um, there's a, there's a lot of components in my opinion that go into creating, um, the differentiation and, and there, there are several. Okay. And, and to be perfectly blunt without being promotional here, that is the driving force behind the Motivated Job Search book. It is literally subtitled um, a proven system to help you stand out because you have to know the, the process, okay, but now you've got to be just that one degree piece of separation, that one degree of separation from the next person. All right, now let's, let's start kind of from the basic stuff. You, you have to get your arms and your mind around this concept of branding. And you're going, what? Okay, well, here's the thing, okay? When it comes to branding you, okay, it's a marketing concept, okay? It is answering the question, who are you professionally? And what is your value proposition? And for some people, that is a foreign concept. I, well, I, I'm a sales guy or I'm, I'm an engineer. Okay, well, yeah. What else? I mean, what is it about you? There's a beautiful little formula uh, that, you know, I, I, I seldom claim to have truly original thoughts, but it, it works so well. Is, and I came up with this. is It's, okay, give me your function. What are you? Okay, I'm a sales professional. Okay, fine. What are you good at? And I'm not talking about necessarily, 
you know, the soft skills initially. I'll get to those. But product, service, things like that. So you're a uh, sales professional specializing in uh, workers' compensation, um, utilization review, all of those things, okay? That turns and starts to grab and get into this concept of branding. What are you as a professional? So that I can recognize as a hiring manager who I'm looking at, talking to on the other side of the desk or you know, online with LinkedIn. And this gets right into LinkedIn too. But other things that you have to be able to, to have to differentiate yourself, and that is success stories. A lot of times... Um, candidates will get out there and they've done a function. Well, that's great, okay? But tell me if you're any good at it. Give me something, and I'm talking as a hiring manager here, that I can hang my hat on that tells me that not only do you do that, but you're good at it. So give me some success stories. Give me something where you came in under budget. Give me something where you, um, something new that you had um, an award from it, uh, an accolade, a recommendation. You can get into client uh, endorsements, you know, anything that has numbers, percentages, and things of achievement that demonstrate that you succeeded at what you were doing. You know, and, and all of this, you know, kind of comes in, and, and then you have to have this elevator speech. Now, what's an elevator speech? Okay, you've heard about them, but it's that 30 to 60-second verbal advertisement, and it encapsulates, you know, what your value, what your branding is, what you are, that you're achieved, your achievements, and that you're looking for an opportunity with an organization that needs this or things of that nature. And a lot of times I find that, you know, candidates, they know their elevator speech, perhaps, maybe, you know, for the company they work for, <laughs> but they don't have one for themselves. And it's like, you should, you have to. When you go into a job search, you've got to be able to tell somebody about you. And then sometimes you get into the, some, of the, some of the little things, like well, you've got to have a business card. Well, the business card you had at your former employer ain't going to work. Okay, you're not there anymore. So go spend 100 150 bucks. okay, yeah, you can do it yourself, but I'm, I'd rather you do it, have it professionally done, you know, at a, at a, a store. And, and, and do more than just a business card with your contact information. Do something that's a little bit more like a resume business card, which, you know, you can put your branding statement on there. You can put a couple of achievements on the back, things that you can hand out to make you memorable to the people you interact with and when you network with. And then you get into some very uh, cool um, differentiators uh, like a brag book, okay? Prepare a brag book. Well, what is it? Well, you put your resume in it, okay? But then you start putting other information like, you know, documented awards, uh, testimonials from um, your peers, from your, uh, your bosses, anything that makes you distinctive, that provides proof of what and what you're capable of doing. You can put in there what's called a testimonial sheet. That can be very persuasive. I had a candidate here not long ago that sent one to me voluntarily, and it was like three pages long, and it was nothing but quotes from people 
talking about her in glowing terms and named them who said it um, and their title. Very persuasive stuff. Put that in a brag book or use that independently. That will make you different. You get into a career summary sheet. Now, that's a different concept. It's kind of like a resume, but it is used, and the way I use it, when you know what the hiring manager is looking for. You know what the company is looking for. Okay, This is one of those second interview techniques. Okay, And you create this career summary sheet, and you kind of lay out your career, and you style it right into the needs of that particular employer selling your background experience your knowledge right into them okay and it's from a career full career standpoint you'd be a very persuasive there's an example of one uh, in the motivated job search as a testimonial sheet as well and then you get into something that can be really good and that's an action plan um, that's a 30 60 90 maybe 100 day uh, plan and and you use that obviously more at the end of the interviewing process and say, look, here's, here's what I'm thinking, okay? And I'm not operating with full information because, you know, I don't have all the information. But as I'm thinking about it, here's how I would attack this position. Who does those things? See, when you start doing things like a brag book or a testimonial sheet or a career summary sheet or an action plan and some of these other things, all of a sudden, small, positive thoughts in the mind of the employer start to pile up on themselves. Now you're creating that separation. Now you're creating that differentiation from other candidates who aren't doing these things. Now you're standing out. <sighs> I've just talked a lot. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. No, that, that's amazing because uh, uh, the, the concept of uh, having a business card um, and uh, success stories and 30, 60, 90 day plans. I don't think a lot of candidates, uh, heck, hey, listen, I talk about this, I write about this. I haven't done a lot of that in the past as well. So it's I always love new and fresh ideas. So it's perfect. Um, so on the on the topic of differentiation, Brian, I think you brought you dropped LinkedIn a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so yeah. all of this. All of this advice you gave so far, I mean, this is great. And like you're in front of someone, you're doing it in the interview process. But let's let's take a couple of steps back. Um, I mean, you're very active on LinkedIn. I mean, even your website talks a lot about LinkedIn. Can you tell us a little bit how LinkedIn helps with branding? Yeah, here's the thing. A lot of people um, underestimate the leverage and the power of of LinkedIn, okay? Um, it wasn't all that many years ago, frankly, um, that I used to think, okay, you're job, starting a job search, first item, first item of business, got to get that, that resume up and running. I don't say that anymore. First item of business, A number one at the top, okay, is get your LinkedIn profile up to grade, okay, because that's where HR recruiters find you. That's where hiring executives and HR recruiters look the minute they become aware of you. And it's got to be optimized. Okay, now, I just used a word, optimization. I mean, it's a term of art. Uh, let me tell you how I, how I define it, okay? Optimizing your LinkedIn profile is 
using the algorithms and the programming of LinkedIn to become findable, discoverable when someone goes to look for you for what you want to be known for or found for. Okay? And once you kind of have your arms and your, and your mind wrapped around that, there, there are elements of optimization that you have to be aware of, and one is keywords. The programming looks for men. Appear matter. And the number of times that they appear matter. And knowing that kind of stuff, you know, really can shoot your score up. And what I mean by that is when somebody goes to look for you, you want to be on the first page, right? Or second page, or no worse than the third page. Correct? All right. So Correct. when you start to have those in the keywords and the number of times and where they're located, that helps. You also get into the concept of completeness. Okay, That will help you rise to the top when somebody goes to look for you or find you. Okay, And that means filling out the information that is available, all those boxes, provided it's substantive. Okay, And, and, and when I talk about substantive, um, I, I, I often, when I work with my candidates, I, I use this example. You know, standing behind the card table at the Cub Scout selling brownies is not what I'm talking about. Now, if you happen to be a rapid response person for the uh, for the Red Cross, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, it has to have some substance to it. And the one, that, I'll be honest with you, the one that always makes me cringe is when I'm talking to somebody here in the United States and they put down English as their language. Well, it's kind of assumed. It's there more for non, you know, like Italian or Spanish and, and your level of proficiency, um, not your native tongue. Okay. But when you, but, but the point is you have to, the more complete your profile and, and things like that, the better you're going to score. And then the final component when you start thinking about LinkedIn is compelling. Is it compelling? And what do I mean by that? Are you intellectually or emotionally moving, dare say motivating, the reader to reach out to you? That's the ultimate point. Okay, now that could be based on what you know. Okay, that is often the case in the technology world. Okay, what you know can be compelling, what you achieved is compelling things that make you stand out is making you a candidate of choice makes it compelling and the more you weave those things in there with the keywords in the right places and the achievements and the completeness and all those things when you start to piece it all together and tackle it all of a sudden you can now leverage LinkedIn to your advantage. And a lot of candidates don't. I will be perfectly, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I think it's clearly my most uh, requested coaching session is LinkedIn optimization. And I get in, I go down, I go into the details on how to make that work for you. 
because part of it is being found. And the beautiful part about it, when it's all done and you have a job, what you have there works beautifully for your career and for business. Because when somebody may look you up for a business reason or just one, there it is, and it and it works hand in glove. Just wonderful. That, that sounds that sounds great. When it comes to LinkedIn, I think uh, since we are spending a lot of time on the concept of branding, uh, it is it is becoming sort of the ultimate branding tool, right? It's it's, it's your virtual branding. Uh, you, all your information is there, and the more attra- more complete and attractive it looks, the more they reach out to you instead of them reaching out to you, the, you reaching out to them. So uh, that's a huge advantage of LinkedIn. And someone like me who uses LinkedIn a lot. Uh, I, I I I totally agree with everything you have mentioned so far. Yeah, the uh, the one th- little thing that about LinkedIn that I tell people is that you know that headline area, you know that that space around your name is vitally important, and you have to structure that correctly uh, because it it really can function honestly as the cornerstone, the foundation to the entire job search. What are you? Tell me what your value proposition is. And from that, other things flow. And then you got to have the resume, and the resume has to correlate uh, very tightly to the LinkedIn uh, profile, especially when it comes to uh, dates. For some reason, HR people get really uncomfortable when the dates don't line up. And oftentimes, it's just an oversight. Um, but, you know, that that's just has to be there. Double-check it. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. So we've covered uh, qu- quite a few ground ground, uh, ground here, uh, Brian. We talked about some of the challenges, uh, how to be strategic, how to fix your mindset, and we spent a lot of time on branding. So we are coming towards the end of our segment here. I think there's a lot of valuable, unique insights you have given. Um, so after listening to this, if the listeners wanted to reach out to you and get more information, uh, what are some of the best ways to reach you? Yeah. Um, first of all, you can reach me through uh, the motivatedjobsearch.com. Uh, the web address, my, my email address is brian.howard at uh, the motivatedjobsearch.com. And obviously, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Perfect. So, Brian, thanks for sharing lots of great insights. I like some of the new ideas you have brought up. Um, one thing that really stood out for me, Brian, is the getting the professional designation. I think, uh, hey, that's uh, some. As you were saying, I'm writing down some of the ideas that I should pursue, uh, even though whether whether I'm unemployed or not or employed, I think it's really important. It makes you more marketable and improves your skill set. So that is some. That is one thing I got out of this. So for sure, among other things. So before we conclude, is, are there is there any are there any last words? Is there anything that you think we should add to what we discussed so far? Well, I, I might even launch into a, a, a smaller topic, but I, I do want to to mention this because it, it gets really important, and that, and that gets into the mind frame of a hiring manager, because a lot of times people overlook what's going on in the brain on that person on the other side of the phone on the other side of the desk. And I'll be really, really quick with this. They've got five questions that they need to have answered, okay? The first one is, can you do the job? Simple enough. 
We're talking about skills and experience to actually perform the function of the position. The second one is, will you do the job? And this is motivated to actually perform the function. Excitement. Is there a sense of compassion and passion and drive to do that function? Here comes one that's important. Will your performance have a positive impact on company goals? Okay, now that's where they get into something substantive, and oftentimes the answer is going to be yes, but it's going to be a comparison between you and the other person. Okay? And you have to have the perceived deeper value. Next, do you fit in culturally? I mean, are you our kind of person? And if all of those are answered in the affirmative, then we get into the final one, which is, can I afford, can I afford this person? Okay? If you go into an interview with just a sense, you don't even have to know those questions specifically, but if you remember those in your brain and you can hit on them and answer them and get into them, you're winning. You're winning. Okay, I got off on something that you didn't ask, but I did want to put that in there because I think that's important is understanding not only what you're doing, we talked a lot about that, but how they think. That's very valuable. I mean, uh, thanks for, I think that's very insightful because uh, that's not something that most job seekers usually think about. They're always thinking about how do I do very well, but what is the other person thinking? Right. So that is, that that's exciting. That, that uh, Thanks for sharing that. No problem. So, Brian, thanks for joining us. Uh, once again, I wanted to thank you for your time. Lots of great ideas. It was a pleasure to listen to some of your insights. Uh, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with Brian and will be published along with this interview. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the Career Medis podcast on iTunes. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode with your network. Until next time, this is your uh, host, Nisar Ahmad, for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.